Good day, everyone. I will, <clears throat> I will remind you of a small um, saying that comes from Zen Master Dogen that you've heard me say before, but I quite enjoy it as a, uh, an orientation to sit with as people are coming online, as we're sitting here in these five minutes before and people are arriving. Uh, and and you, many of you have heard it before, of course, where he said, <clears throat> let your heart go out and abide among things and allow things to return and abide in your heart. So it's, it's a lovely way to think about what you're seeing on the screen. As you sit and watch each square arrive in the names, allow your heart to go out and abide among these people, but also allow their hearts to come and abide in yours. As we make this connection and weave ourselves together in preparation for um, both our uh, silent practices and our relational practices through the rest of the hour. So on that note, let's, uh, let's enjoy our sitting together and I'll offer a little guidance during, during our meditation time. as we sit today together. Remembering over the past six weeks or so, we've been reflecting on teachers, teachers that I've 
had the great privilege of working with and studying under, being shaped by And maybe it's invited you to reflect on some of your own ancestors. And there are times just like as we began today where we will reference ancient teachers we've never met, like Dogen and many of the great women of the past. And when we think of these women, of these men who've come before us, sometimes we will ask ourselves, oh, really, what did these people do to become the kind of mature individuals that we've had the privilege to know and to study with? What, what did they do? And no matter what their tradition, all of them did what we're doing right now. Not something vaguely similar. It's exactly what we're doing right now. some version of sitting in stillness and silence with some energy, some dignity, some openness and active curiosity to discover who they were beyond their stories. They all did this practice with others. And with that realization, students will then ask often, well, yes, but they were special. Special people, not like me. So they could become who they became. But this second question is really based on even a more painful error. They were exactly like you. They were born. They had a body and a mind and a heart. They lived in a family or at least among people that assisted them in surviving and they carried the weight of their conditioning. Somehow along the way felt the aspiration to wake up and see more clearly, to unburden themselves and live more fully and with more freedom. just like you. You were doing what they did. You have exactly the same ingredients that they have. You have what it takes. You're doing what it takes. You were given a life and a body and a heart and a mind You were given relationships and a context. All the practices that you need, individual, relational, communal, but then it's up to you to bring your aspiration 
your personal willingness and the discipline to practice. Your aspiration, your willingness, your discipline to practice. And it's also up to you to attend to and not miss the support and encouragement of the whole universe and to not turn away. This is what we're engaged in right now. Recently, a student commented to me, having watched you talk about your teachers and seeing how you've practiced all these years through your stories and your photographs, they said, I now see that it takes a lifetime, not some weekend seminar or retreat in a special environment, not a few self-help books, not being in the presence of some special guru who will confer this kind of freedom to you. They said, I see now that it takes dedicated effort and devotion to the path. And then they said, and I can do that. I can do that. And so can you. That's what you're doing now. Vast as the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. The instructions and reminders that I was offering you during sitting are really essential when we're reflecting on the lineage of what brings us to the present moment and how we carry it forward and how we carry it forward in support of all beings in the bodhisattva way. How we bring our aspirations, our personal willingness, and discipline to practice. How this translates into dedicated effort and devotion to a path that you can do. I wanted to echo um, 
some words from uh, from Dogen since I started uh, there today. And this is from uh, something um, that Dogen wrote in the 13th century uh, as his own personal vow. Um, it's not something that you need to study or know about particularly, but it's it's beautiful. The, uh, I love saying the title because <laughs> for some reason, I don't know, I like the, the words. It's called the Ehei Kosu Hatsugonman. Uh, Ehei uh, Dogen was part of his name. His, his vow. Just listen to this portion, just a few sentences. And take it in in the same place that you were listening to my words as we sat. He, he writes a few things about his ancestors, just like we've been reflecting on, and all the Buddhas of the past. And then he said, may they share with us their compassion, which fills the boundless universe with the virtue of their enlightenment and teachings. Buddhas and ancestors of old were as we. We in the future shall be Buddhas and ancestors. Revering Buddhas and ancestors, we are one Buddha and one ancestor. Awakening Bodhi mind, we are one Bodhi mind because they extend their compassion to us freely and without limit. We're able to attain Buddhahood and let go of the attainment. So think of this in terms of our own sitting together. Dogen said, may they share with us, it's an aspiration. May we all share our compassion, which fills the boundless universe with the virtue of our enlightenment and our teachings. It's such an inspirational way to think of it. All the teachers in the past, we're as we, we in the future are going to be the teachers. We're going to carry this forward. And revering the Buddhas and ancestors of the past, our ancestors, through that reverent practice, we become one Buddha and one ancestor. We join the lineage. We join in the heart. And awakening our, the mind that seeks to be awakened, we join that wakeful mind. And then it says, he said, because they extend their compassion to us freely and without limit. Because those people on that screen, and hopefully soon uh, sitting together in person, because each of these people extend their compassion to you freely and without limit, we are able to wake up and let go of the awakening. So this is a message for us. Later in the... Um, in the vow, Dogen quotes an ancient uh, Chan master from China, um, uh, a master called Lung Ya, and this, these are Lung Ya's words. He said, those who in past lives were not enlightened will now be enlightened. In this life, save the body, which is the fruit of many lives. Before Buddhas were enlightened, they were the same as we. Enlightened people of today are exactly those of old. You know, I read these things just to underline and underscore and emphasize we're doing the same practices. We're the same sort of people. We have what it takes. But it requires all you've got. And it requires our connection. It's why we engage inquiry. It's why we sit together. It's why we study and practice together and just simply help each other out. I want to mention another of our ancestors from 8th century China, since we're focusing on, on ancestors. And this is a story that actually I, I told in retreat recently, but it's so apropos, I wanted to uh, remind us of it. And it's about a, a very famous Chan teacher, Guishan, who studied with another quite famous teacher. His teacher was Bai Shang. And you know, I've, I've told you some stories about um, how I would hang out with Blanche in the sewing room or 
spend time sitting on the sofa with uh, Joko and Peg, or we talk, and or with Ron and Donna and 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 Dick, and certainly all those years I sat across from John Gladfelter. And so the, imagine that is one evening Guishan was uh, attending his master Bajan, he's hanging out with him. And Baijang does this strange thing that Zen teachers do. He turns to Guishan, who's his longtime student, and says, Who are you? And you know when a Zen teacher asks you that, it's not a casual question, right? Who are you? But he answers directly. He says, uh, I am Lingyu. His name is Lingyu Guishan. And Baijang says, Okay, will you poke around in the in the fire pit there and find out if there are any burning coals in it. Are there any embers left? They may have been getting cold or something. And Guishan did. He poked around and stirred in the ash and he said, it doesn't look like there's any burning coal, no, no charcoal left. So Baijan gets up and goes and takes the poker and digs around and extracts a small uh, glowing piece of charcoal, a little ember which he shows to Guishan. And he says, is this not a burning piece? And it says in the story, as all these stories go, uh, at this Guishan was awakened. Therefore, he made a profound bow and told Baijang, you know, what had happened, how, how it moved in him. I love this story because isn't this how how it goes, we, we meet a teacher or we have a great friend, a great spiritual friend. And the deepest question that we're asking each other is, who, who are you, really? What is this? But, you know, we, we, we answer with, well, you know, I'm, I'm Flint, I'm, that's who I am. And then the teacher asks us to look around to see where the life force is. If you're going to answer, where's the, where's the real, what burns in you? What's alive? Where's the heat? And in this case, Guishan did poke around, but he didn't find anything. But we think about the charcoal, but we forget about the ash. What was he poking around in? You know, what we poke around in is that which is burning off. The ash of each moment of impermanent, interdependent life. What we let go of, what we move through, what we move beyond. And he didn't find anything. All he found was the ash. All he found was this and that and the history and stories and love and hate and disappointment and joy and and Baijang, the teacher, got up and went deeper. Poked deeper into the ash and said, what about this? Exactly what we do here as each person brings themselves forward. And in some ways, looks for an answer to a question or says some version of, I'm not it, am I? And my job is to say, well, what about this? In one of the commentaries that Baijong wrote about this, he said to Guishan, he said, the method that I used just now was only for this occasion. It's not the usual approach. And he quotes a sutra, I'm not sure which one, but he says, to behold the Buddha nature was to see it in the other person, to behold the Buddha nature, one must wait for the right moment and the right conditions. When the time comes, one's awakened as from a dream. It's as if one's memory recalls something long forgotten. One realizes that what is obtained is one's own and not from outside. People sometimes ask me, why do you sit and wait sometimes while people are talking and inquiry? Baijang says one must wait for the right moment in the right conditions. 
And how many of you have said, gosh, when I came to this practice and really understood what it was, it wasn't like I was learning something new. It's like I was remembering something. And Bajang says, when the time comes, one is awakened as from a dream, as if one's memory recalls something long forgotten. And that it's what you're obtaining is something that you already have, not getting something from someone else. And finally, Bajang says, after enlightenment, one is still the same as one was before. It's a very disappointing statement. <laughs> after enlightenment, you're the same person. There's no special mind. One is, one is simply free from unreality and delusion. Oh. But you're the same person, free from unreality and delusion. The mind of the ordinary person is the same as that of the sages. Because the original mind is perfect and complete in itself. Saying the same thing that Dogen was saying. And I, we say it over and over and over. And you think about it differently over and over and over. So we remind you over and over and over. This case is about digging into the dark, into the depths, and finding the ember of aliveness. Overcoming our reluctance and our barriers to discover who we really are. Who are you? And the more we practice, the more we become ourselves. You don't become someone special, someone different. It's this paradox that when we are the most completely ourselves, I don't mean most completely identified with our conditioning and our habits and our delusions. When we are most completely ourselves, we're most completely free of ourselves. It's letting go, letting go, letting go. We find the ember in the ashes. We find the ember among the ashes of what's been burned up, what's been let go of. Mostly this practice is undoing, not redoing. This is not a renovation project. It's digging, as Rumi said, under the floorboards to find the, the treasure, the jewels. But we fear that if we, um, it seems like we fear anyway, that if we engage this process fully that I'm talking about, that there's going to be nothing left. It'll just be the ash. When everything has been let go of, then there's no me remaining. I certainly... And not going to be transformed into the wise and compassionate person I hope to be. It's difficult to have confidence that as you soften your grip on the self-centered dream, that what's going to re remain is a Buddha. But that's the teacher's job, to show the student something else. Something completely unexpected. And what's revealed is something that can't be discovered in any other way, I'm sorry to tell you. Some of you are quite familiar in the midst of um, Mary Oliver's poem, Messenger. Uh, she said, and think about this with yourself, imagine you're saying this. She says, are my boots old? Is my coat torn? Am I still, am I no longer young and still not half perfect? Let me keep my mind on what matters, which is my work, which is mostly standing still and learning to be astonished. Is everything kind of worn out? Am I kind of tattered around the edges? Am I no longer young? Yeah. And still not half perfect. See, there's the old aspiration. And then the discipline. Let me keep my mind on what matters, which is my work, which later, earlier she said, the work is loving the world. She said, which is mostly standing still and learning to be astonished. But we hold this secret um, hope. We cling to our curative fantasy that eventually we're going to understand things and we're finally going to get a grasp on this thing called life. We're going to sort it all out. 
And then Zen masters or whoever we look up to that have the answers are going to show us how to use this thing we figure out. But unexpectedly, and if we're fortunate and practice in a really wholesome way, unexpectedly we actually end up finding instead a way to love this impermanent, imperfect, fleeting world which we can never grasp. So this is the uncommon aspiration. Earlier I talked about our aspiration, willingness, and discipline. Our uncommon aspiration, not to achieve something. Not an aspiration to grasp yet another thing, which now we call spiritual. But to release all that we cling to. The aspiration to release all that we cling to. And the willingness, a willingness that's not a submission, but a surrendering of the self-centered dream, and therefore to rest empty-handed and discover that those empty hands are now free to help other people. And the discipline not to venture forth as some summarized Zen warrior thing, but to remember our wholeness instead of striving for the perfection of our personality and our relationships, which can never actually be attained. And this is the practice of dedicated effort and devotion to the path, a path of freedom from, from grasping and striving. So when Guishan asked, I mean, Baijong asked Guishan about, you know, who are you? And he says, me, it's me. He asked the ordinary question, but who are you? This is the question, who are you really? And he stirs up the ash and looks for a burning coal and doesn't find any, you know, half-hearted effort or unwholesome effort, even a wholehearted effort, but sometimes it's not quite as deep. It doesn't bring forward what the teacher can see is already there. That's the one thing I relied on in my teachers. They could see more of me than I could see. They could see clearer. When I showed John Gladfelter a picture of me in robes from San Francisco Zen Center for the first time, I was shy to show him. And he said, it'll be interesting to watch you grow into them. He saw some of that. And Baijong took tongs and plunged deeper into the ash, and he found a live ember, and he said, what's this? Over and over, a teacher's going to assist you in finding your aliveness, the fire, the confidence not to become some great thing, the confidence to let go. And our spiritual friends, and teachers will implore us to find the strength to plunge into the darkness, to explore the ashes of what's burned away in order to really discover our life. A good friend is someone who asks more of you than you will ask of yourself. That's a good friend. Someone we don't need but with whom we go farther and deeper because they call forward the best in us and we call forward some, that thing, thing in them and then we plunge in and find new life. And I will say before I ask you to raise your hands and please come forward with these questions. What about your own aspiration, your own willingness, your own discipline, your dedicated effort and devotion? Who are you? What's in the way? 
I want to say that I want to continue this series of reflections, but in a different way. Next week, I'll be online with you, but the person leading inquiry will be Suzanne Kilkas from the Open Doors Zen community in Madison, who's one of our newly entrusted teachers. And then I'll lead inquiry next time and probably reflect on that. And then the next week, Joel Barna. And on we'll go through all of the people who are carrying this forward. And I'll be alternating each week, but I'll be there with you until we get into early November and we'll, uh, Peg will, as the senior most teacher, she'll reflect back on this whole, whole business and be with us. So continue your responsibility to show up and support these teachers as they show up and offer you everything they have. What is this call forward? What's here now? You always know once the first person asks a question, then people line up. Hi, Flint. Hi, Jen. Um, these are very hard times. Um, my precious partner is experiencing a lot of anxiety. And I have two dear friends who also are experiencing this. And I don't think they are unusual. Um, I, I have a group and, and I am surprised at the gravity that everyone seems to be holding. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have a lot of problems at our house. Our, uh, we had two lightning strikes um, the, uh, a week ago Sunday when we had the big uh, thunderstorm, the big deluge, and uh, a lot of things aren't working. And, um, and there are just so many things going on that just don't seem to be going right. And I woke up this morning and finally got up at five uh, and, you know, started writing, just trying to deal with all this furor. And uh, then I sat with Apamata at, uh, in Zazen, as I do in the morning. And it was such a, I don't know the adjective, a wonderful experience where I just sat with all that was going on in awareness. And it just came up and I saw it and held it. Mm -hmm. uh, and just was with it. And it was just um, amazing to me. The, what did you have to drop in order to do that? What did you, did you have to drop? Um, I guess the stories, because I was in awareness. I wasn't in the stories. But you didn't forget them. No, I saw them all. <laughs> it sounds like you didn't hold them quite so close, quite so tightly. No. Or engage all the ideas about how it shouldn't be, how it could be, how you're going to fix them. Mm -hmm. You sat with them. With them, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the beginning of the relinquishment I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. This is the way it's going to go. Mm -hmm. Not going to go yeah. some other way. Yeah. And when we, when we let go of the idea that it shouldn't be this way, that it's a mistake that it's this way, and even the worst that ones, it's and, it's, and that it's personal <laughs> yeah. against me, then we begin to have a little space to use those open hands that we formerly were clinging with to, to move in the world differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're all in this, aren't we? We are. We're all in this. Mm -hmm. And that's and, been the beginning. And not just we are. Around the world, we yeah. are all in this. And that's how it always is. Mm -hmm. And this is waking yeah. us up to that. It is. 
It is such an opportunity to finally no longer be able to pretend that we have any control. That's right. You stop pretending. Thank you, Joan. And I hope things start to work. Of course. <laughs> well, we'll see. <laughs> Hi, Julia. Hello. I'm Julia. I've sat with you for over 12 months. Yes, I've never been recognized your face. <laughs> I've never been brave enough to come forward. And today, I've just got an amazing sense of peace and feeling how wonderful this world is. Um, mm -hmm. And things have happened that haven't gone straight and they've not gone as we expected them to. And it's just been wonderful to be able to sit with that and look and say, so be it, so be yeah. it. That's, mm -hmm. that's life um, and embrace the the everyday ups and downs and still feel real joy in my heart at the moment. Well, that's, that's what we're, um, that's what we discover. And I, I like that you said, um, you know, in the past you hadn't felt brave enough because that wasn't on my list, was it? Be brave. Just the willingness. And today you were encouraged by what you've revealed in practice, you found a little ember and said, oh, even in the midst of all this ash, there's this ember that's still, this aliveness that's still there. And so you then found the willingness to come forward. And it's somehow important to do so, to connect, to speak, to receive the goodness, because there's over 60 people right now all over the world focusing their hearts on you. And it's wonderful to feel part of that wider community and right. with all the people that, some of which we know, some of whom we don't know, but we know through through the little tiles on the screens and to feel that there is a, a great togetherness there. Yeah, and we are enacting and affirming that reality, which is always true. We could not even be alive if it weren't for the whole world supports us and to remember that really shifts our perspective and opens it like you've just described we fall in love with this fleeting world that we can't grasp and in some ways the 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 things that don't go right are the things that fill your heart more with yep. with love somehow somehow it's the mystery be grateful for it yeah. Thank you so much for your willingness. Thank you. Coming forward. It becomes a gift for everyone. Yeah. Hi. Mm. Mm. That was kind of a surprise. <laughs> that you raised your hand or that you were... That I raised my hand and that I'm here. <laughs> we, we continually surprise ourselves. <laughs> Had, um, I guess a small a small story that that feels like it 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 fits in a way um, that sense of how life is continually teaching us even in the smallest of things and this morning I was talking to my uh, elder son with my granddaughter who is not quite two. Mm -hmm. And um, she was climbing all over the place, as, as we do at that age. And uh, she just kind of slipped. And she had her hands full of the things that she had been playing with. So she had a doll and she had a piece of crayon in her hand. And, um, and Chris said to her, he said, well, he said, you know, you won't be able to climb if you have those things in your hands you have to let them go and it just felt that it's exactly what we're doing in our practice recognizing that we have to let them go because we can't move we can't be together we can't 
we can't be fully who we are and what we're possible, what's here without letting go. So it felt like a, a really uh, lovely little example from a, from a nearly two-year-old. The doll and Brianna, come on, the little story. Mm. What, what's her name? Her name is Skye. And your son's name? Chris. Thank you. Thank you for the beautiful story and for the teaching. Thank you, Sky, for the teaching and for Chris Sky. for the teaching. Yes, Sky's teaching. <laughs> Thank you. It's an example of that interaction. It took them together and then it took the witness, you witnessing, to carry it forward. We have uh, all English today. <laughs> Uh, my, uh, our square is actually next to Julia's and um, Julia and I had booked to have a practice discussion this afternoon and um, I think one of the difficulties she may have been alluding to was that I was on one Zoom account and she was on another and uh, so I, I sat during that period, wondering how she was and um, whether she was going to arrive. And, but I felt extraordinarily uh, connected to her during that, that time. It felt very, uh, very tangible. And um, when I investigated it with Trudy afterwards, it was my mistake that I'd gone into the wrong room. But um, for me, it was also really uh, fruitful to you know, turn towards the part that feels uh, clumsy and inept with the technology, but also the, um, the kind of uh, feeling that it's okay. It's okay to have, to have missed, uh, but also to, we've reconnected on my email since. But something about, um, the fruitfulness of a mistake. Um, and I, I hope, Julia, that it, there was some fruit for you too in that, um, in that uh, lack of exchange and, and we'll, meet, we'll meet next week. The depth of the connection that is beyond how you envisioned it. Yes. We had a definition of what we thought the connection looked like. Yes. But in fact, you discovered something deeper in the ash. Yes, yes, and it and it's very it's very touching to see you, uh, Julia, come up for inquiry. Um, but you know, at this time, and and have have some inquiry, <laughs> have some practice discussion. Uh, but it's something about um, for me uh, just um, leaning into the mistakes and the. Mm -hmm the messiness of, of, um, of what happens. It also gives you an opportunity to engage the practice of forgiveness yeah. and profound acceptance. Yes. Which we have to do for ourselves and for others all the time. Yeah. And I, when you were talking about our ancestors, I, I remember that um, apparently Suzuki Roshi was really forgetful. Um, and uh, I'd like to improve my capability online, but but I, I struggle. <laughs> you have the aspiration. The aspiration. You have the willingness. And um, you're engaging as best you can the discipline. <laughs> Those three qualities. <laughs> and you have a spiritual friend called tech support, which is <laughs> quite useful. And I'm sure that Jasper encourages you all the time. He does. He, he was here at the beginning of uh, inquiry. He, because he comes every time you get online. Yes. <laughs> he, feels, he feels the calling, I think. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Rosemary will be next. There you go. Okay. Hi. So um, in the beginning, um, when you were talking about the screens and all of our uh, thumbnail photos and the heart, 
when we were waiting, um, you know, I had talked about looking at everybody's name and then everybody's face. And today I said, well, everybody there has a heart. And I started kind of connecting to that. And, and Catherine van der Heiden, I think, is after me on the, the inquiry. Um, and that was a name that I hadn't I hadn't seen before. So I kind of focused on Catherine. I said, oh, this a new person and Catherine has a heart, you know? So anyway, it was kind of a connection to what you were saying. But this morning when I was about to sit, um, I was lighting the candles on my altar and the wick of the, the column candle was a little, um, it didn't look like it was gonna make it. And I was about, you know, like 10 inches away. And normally I would go and check it and, you know, get something to put in there and straighten it out. And I just stood really, really, I, I couldn't believe I did this. I just stood still for like 10 seconds and um, watched it to see what's gonna happen, you know? And um, I just wanted to share that because for me that, um, that non-action and the um, ability, I'm gonna cry. <laughs> the ability just to be curious about what's gonna happen. Yes, and it took you beyond curiosity as your heart is telling you now into tenderness. And it's interesting that a wick on a candle and that little flame could bring that kind of patience and tenderness. Yeah, that's what I was thinking when I then did sit. I said, you know, I wanted to give the wick an opportunity to do its thing and see what it could do without my interfering. That's your, and, that's the practice, Rosemary. Say the same thing about your true nature. I want to give my own Buddha nature. I want to give my own Buddha nature. A chance. A chance. See what happens without my interference. Without my interfering with it. Yeah. That's it. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. That's very beautiful. Catherine, you're up next. <clears throat> Hi, Catherine. Hi. Um, I've been feeling pretty weepy yeah. through this. I've meant to join more than three times. And thanks, thank you, Rosemary, for noticing. Um, yeah. I was smarter when I was four. It happens. Yeah. And I'm now 71. So I've been wanting to, huh? Congratulations, you said. <laughs> yeah, you know more than you know. <laughs> I'm glad to be alive. Uh, and I'm working hard. I've, I've meant to be here more often, and I really just haven't made it because of lots of things going on. And but I'm glad to be here now and um, glad you were too it's very hard for me to be with my vulnerability and at the same time my strength and um, I could say a lot more but I think I'll just stop isn't it odd how we soften into strength But my own experience is that it's not really possible for me to come back close to my vulnerability unless I know someone is kind of there with me, watching out for me. In a kind way, like Rosemary was saying about the wick, you know, or like you're feeling today, or you wouldn't be weepy. You, you can feel that people are willing to just be there with you. If I could stop pushing him away, that'd probably be a great idea. Well, we know the lovely thing about Sangha like this is you can push all you want, but not going away. 
perfect. So then you then you get to explore the pushing. And realize, open it up and find what the burdens are that you can release. It's okay. The willingness. Yeah, the aspiration to come forward and the willingness and you're engaging the discipline of practice now. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yes. Please, please come back. It's lovely to be with you. I'll try to do that. Good. Thank you. Penelope has been raised. Do we have time for one more? Yeah. You know the old joke at Apamata is the lightning round? You know, <laughs> the last moment. <laughs> Hi. Um, thanks, everyone, all of the beautiful hearts. But I just had to share this little thing just like about the wick kind of um and in in a place in france home floor there's a place that's just so etched in my memory it's a chapel and it's a lady our lady of grace from home floor and in there uh there are people who have been saved from perilous voyages in the ocean have carved you know boats and things and they're like um Exvoto kind of things that are hanging off in the ceiling. And it impressed me so much that I, in my devotion to the divine feminine that I have, um, is I always remember Our Lady of Grace from Han Fleur because she helps us navigate the seas of life. And um, so today, you know, what we've all been saying is that um, I, it was just a realization that came to me. You know how we all see them big paintings of the stormy seas and the, you know, which I've always looked at just like these cliches. I never, I never felt, could really feel what that, that terror that they must have had. But today talking about the anxiety in our culture, and I too have felt this, been so anxious lately, and that's not something I usually would be. And it's like, it's in the culture that it's just a whole we're in that ship and it's just so tumultuous. And so for the first time I could really, I could see those paintings in a new way. And it was a way of seeing that just, I don't know, enveloped me. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to share that. <laughs> Absolutely, we're navigating with our practice and as we release and let go of our demand that it be different or our fear that it's completely unworkable. We just let go of all of it and do what's right in front of us, what we can do, what we can reach, what we can touch. Uh, maybe sometimes you just stand a few feet away from a wick, but we're just doing the, the one small thing and letting go and letting go and letting go and feeling the serenity of that kind of release. Thank you for that. Thank you. And we'll engage our, our practice chant, the four practice principle. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Thank you so much. And Jessica? Apomata's programs and facilities are supported by your generosity. And your support makes a huge difference. Thank you so much. Thank you for all the ways that you contribute 
there's a link uh, for contributions on the website and I will also put that here in the chat. Thanks everyone. And now um, please feel free to stick around for after inquiry. I'll hand it over to Maria.